All right. How many of you are ready to get into the Word of God today? All right. Those of you watching online, we want to welcome you with us today on this first Sunday in December. Um, and again, just a reminder, normally we have our communion on this Sunday, but we're going to spend a special com- communion on Christmas Eve and have a candlelight and make it very special. So please be with us on December the 24th for that. Today I want to minister a message to you that I've simply titled, Change. How many of you think that there are some things in our world that need to change? In our nation, in our state, in our town, in our home? You know, let me ask you some questions of what you think might fix some of the things that need to change. Let's say that a semi pulled up and it was just full of cash. It just pulled up in the parking lot today, and that was for the purpose of helping transact change. Would that fix it? Would another college degree fix it? How about just all new people in your life? Would that fix it if you're having relationship situations? You know, they'd give you a fresh start, right? Just brand new people. But how many know those brand new people probably need some change too? What would it take to get more people here today? What would that take? What would it take for you to lead someone to Jesus this year, what would that take? I often ask myself this question. What would it take to reach brand new people that have never known Jesus as Lord and Savior in Phoenix this year? What would it take? What would it take to uh, be able to get people to serve in church, maybe share their faith, lead a Bible study, contact a person who's been gone for a while to come to Sunday service, to Bible study, or to discipleship. I heard John Bevere ask a question one time, and he asked this question. He said, if you were guaranteed $1,000 to show up and come to a Bible meet, a Bible study, or to a prayer meeting, would you show up for that meeting? How many of you, if you were guaranteed $1,000 next Sunday, would invite other people, say, hey, $1,000 is coming your way, and all you got to do is show up? But you know, there's something here more valuable than $1,000, and John Bevere ultimately said, you said, he, he was like, nah, that wouldn't fix it. That wouldn't fix what needs to change. And so the question I have is, what would it take for you to grow personally beyond where you are this year, next year? When it came to December 3rd of 2024, what will it take to be further along in our faith, in our, in our 
walk with Jesus, in our reaching out to others, what would it take for us personally? And I've got another question. What would it take for revival to come to our nation? What would it take for America to be one back to God? What would that take? And the most important thing is just what would it take for you to be closer to God than you are right now? And I think some people say, well, Pastor, you know, I think we, maybe I just would need to pray more. Or maybe I need to smile more or give more. Or maybe you just need to sing fresher songs. Maybe we need to advertise more. Maybe we need to speak up more. Maybe those aren't necessarily bad things, but I really believe, and everybody look this way, I believe there's something missing, something very fundamental. The first thing I want to say is this. A lot of times, and some of us have temperaments that if you just simply try harder, you'll get farther, right? Right? But I just want to say this, trying harder won't necessarily change your life. How many of you have ever tried harder fixing something, and the more you tried, the harder you tried to get it fixed, the worse it became? Guys, have you ever been under a sink trying to fix your plumbing? And the harder you try, the worse it gets. The, The more you try to get that leak stopped, the more it goes. And it's like, how many of you hate water leaks? It's like, oh, let's just, right there, walk away. Don't touch it. And you know, change is a necessary part of life. Would everybody say that? Change is necessary. Spouses, don't raise your hands, but is change necessary in a marriage as you grow? As you grow. How many of you know you don't necessarily have the same person you married now as you had then. Why? Because life changes. You've you've experienced life. You're not the same in your mind. You're not the same in your experiences. And so it's required for us to change. And most people would say, hey, I want change in my life. They want change in their life, but I think a lot of times what what it is is that we want circumstances to change, or we want people to change. Can I get an amen? Or we want the world to change, or we want the church to change, and yet it seems rarely that we may look a little bit closer and realize that we need to change. We need to change. And let me just say it. I need to change. You see, the truth is you probably have a lot more to do with change happening than you realize. Walk with me on this. How many of you always have a good attitude? How many of you always walk in love? How many of you always say the thing you wish you would have said? You see, if we'll really get introspective, we will find, hey, I need to change. And you know what? Um, If you have a bad attitude, there's no one else that can change it but you. Amen? Because your attitude determines your altitude. 
If you're not flying as high as you wish you were, it, sometimes we just need to stop and look at our attitude. We can't keep, walk with me on this, we can't keep doing things the way we've always done them and expect to get a different result. If we keep doing things the way we've done them for the past decade, we'll never grow as a church, as a nation, as a family, as an individual. You know, for years, people try to make things in their life change, and they don't get anywhere. And you can, re- you can read the Bible and try. You can go to church and hear a message and try. But trying harder is often done in our own strength. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And we need God's help. So, Pastor, how do I change? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because in my notes, I have underlined how to change your life. Anybody interested? Things in your life will change when first you change your mind. Let's look at this first scripture, Romans chapter 12. You're familiar with this in verse 2. And I'm going to read it from a very different translation than what I'm usually reading out of, and it's out of the Amplified And I like this because it really stops and breaks down each line. So look at this. Do not be conformed to this world. It literally means this age, this time we live in, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. But be renewed, everybody say changed, be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitude. There it is. How are we going to change? The Word of God's going to change the way we think through what we, what is our ideal and what is our attitude so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. You know, their cars are a little bit different now than they used to be with their paint and the way the, way the uh, you know, there's clear coat and things like that. But how many of you remember years ago, you really had to take care of, with your paint to wax it, or it would oxidize, right? But man, as soon as you put that coat of wax on, and you let it do its job, and you buffed that off, how many of you saw a newness? It was always there, but it was covered up with all the world's garbage, with all the, the pollution of the world, with everything that caused it to oxidize. I remember having a, a 1977 Mercury Cougar, and it had a uh, it was like a blue with a little bit of a metallic in it. And that would get, it would almost, it could almost get gray if you didn't wax it right. If you didn't wax it enough. But man, I'm telling you, as soon as it got the wax on there and you got that buffed out, boom. It was like, that's so pretty. And that's exactly the way we need to see ourselves is we need to we need to we need a new paint job sometimes we need to be renewed so how do we renew our mind with the word of god church it is full of life and it has power to change you where you don't have 
that same power. But listen to me, you can't just read it and expect to be victorious Christians. And here is the fundamental thing I want to talk to you about. First and foremost, with the congregation God has given me and then everyone else watching online, but we've got to study it. I'm going to say it again. We can't just read it. We need to study it. We need to get in there and find out what does that word mean? Get you a Strong's Concordance and find out what that word means. Don't don't pull up a dictionary because a dictionary isn't, uh, it's not based off of the biblical passage. Amen? In fact, look at a dictionary in Noah Webster's day and look at a dictionary in today's Webster's day and you will find a huge difference. Noah Webster quoted Scripture. Think of it this way. I think it's a good way of doing this. How many of you would go to a doctor who didn't study? He just read the doctor manual. He found a manual off of the Internet. He read the manual. He made his own initials up at the end of his uh, name and said, hey, I've read about medical doctrine, doctoring. That just, that's the Oklahoma coming out. Not doctrine, but doctrine. And you went to him. How many of you would like him to perform a surgery on your insides? See, he's read about it. He might be knowledgeable about it, but he's not studied it. He's not studied it. And in the same way, it's, it's so for us. To really know the Word of God, to really be changed by the truth, we have to study. And we have to be patient Listen to me, we have to persevere. Look at your neighbor and say, be patient and persevere. Church, I thank God for what I know, but it has taken more than 40 years for me to know it, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning. In fact, one of the churches we pastored, and it kind of hurt when the guy said this, but he was, probably, he was probably true. He said, you know, you're a good preacher, but you're not as good a shepherd as you are a preacher. And I was like, oh, okay, you're probably right. My gift lies more in preaching than in shepherding. My wife does a great job at shepherding. So isn't that helping complete? How many of you, you have a spouse and they have some gifts you don't have and you have some gifts they don't have? And you know what? That is what, how many of you believe that possibly God wants to use the church to help pastor the church? to help shepherd the church. And you see, I think, I think the thing is, is we as Christians get into trouble by what we think on. We can know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We can have come to know him. We can speak in tongues. We can have all these gifts. But sometimes some of us, even after we've come to know the Lord, we, 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 can, we can get into some stinking thinking. Amen? So the question is, really, we've got to ask ourselves, what, what are you meditating on? So let me ask it. What are you meditating on today? Would you be honest with yourself? You know, did you know that part of studying is meditating? 
So, I mean, you can go through and you can read a Bible plan and you can read and say, I've read the Bible all the way through the year, but has the Bible read me? Have I led it? Have I stopped and have I studied it? And then have I meditated upon it? There's that word, meditate. Can I tell you this? Just like the rainbow, the devil has stolen the word meditation. In fact, when you think of the word meditation, how many of you automatically go, That's not meditation. That might be the devil's version, but it's not God's version. You say, well, I don't know how to meditate. Listen, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because worry is meditating on all the problems that are going on. A worrier is a meditator on the negative. They're meditating on all the things that that can happen that may never happen. So we don't really know how, pardon this, how messed up our thinking, even as Christians, can become until we study God's Word and it studies us. How many of you ever read across something in Scripture and you're like looking at yourself in the mirror and here's a good one, be angry but don't sin? Lord, why did you put that in the Bible? How many of you know God gets angry, but he never sins? Who in the house can raise their hand and say, you've gotten angry and have never sinned? There was a preacher helping one of his board members re-roof the house. And the board member, he just kept hitting his finger with that hammer. And to the surprise of the pastor, out came some profanities. And he was like, Pastor, pardon my French. The pastor just kept right on hammering. Board member did it again. Profanities came out. He said, Pastor, pardon my Latin. Pastor just kept right on hammering. All of a sudden, the pastor, bam, hit his finger. And he went, And the board member said, okay, pastor, just go ahead and say it. Go ahead and let it out. And he said, no, I'm not going to do it. He said, well, I know what you're thinking. He said, no, profanity is just an ignorant mind trying to express itself. And he got a hold of that board member. But what I'm saying, church, is this. We We can be, we can be, further this year in the realm of anger than we were last year. If we simply meditate on all, here's the deal. If you are dealing or struggling with something, whether it's lust, whether it's lying, whether it's stealing, whether it's worry, whether it's anger, find all, again, that Strong's Concordance is going to come handy. Find the word anger and read every single passage in God's Word about it. But don't stop there. This might be your Bible study for the year. And church, I would rather, here's what I would rather, here's what I believe God would rather. I believe he would rather us find a subject that we're really struggling with rather than reading the Bible all the way through, which I'd still encourage. I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm saying if you're really struggling with something and you want victory over it, make that the thing you study. Find every passage that God deals with because he deals with all the stuff we deal with. He did it perfectly. 
He was in all ways tempted, just like we are, yet without sin. Pretty women, did Jesus deal with them? Absolutely. But he treated them correctly, godly. So what's been on your mind lately? What have you been meditating on? Stop and think about what you've been thinking about. If it's stinking thinking, you can change it. The good news is you can think whatever you want. But God wants us to think the right way. You can change, folks. Everything is subject to change except God himself. Okay? So you can't do it on your own, but you can renew your mind to God's word. And I just want to say this for anybody saying these words. If you're a believer in Christ, even if you're not a believer in Christ, and you say, my life is never going to change, stop saying that. Start, because that's not what God says. God says, you can do all things through him who strengthens you. Or my, chil- my, my children are never going to change. My marriage is never going to change. Start saying what the word of God says. This is what he says. He says, all things are possible with God. Jesus says that. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. And you know the reason why? Because it's him who's strengthening me. He's given me strength. So I want you to think today about the good things so there's no room for the bad things. It's time to get the bad things out of our brain. Amen? The second thing we've got to do after we, after we do this is we've got to really start taking stock. We've got to, you know, I, I just got another year older on Wednesday. I left a decade and I entered into a new one, which I'm okay with because I'm numbering my days. It's just a number. In fact, I numbered my days today. I went online to a website that I know of. You can just simply put in your birthday. And it will tell you how many days old you are. I'm proud to announce I'm 21,919 days old. Hallelujah. Look at this scripture. Psalm 90, verse 12. We're taught, so teach us to number our days. And there's a reason why. It's for this reason. That we may present to God a heart of wisdom. Don't raise your hands on this, but how many of you need wisdom? Wisdom to navigate this life. This was written by Moses, the man of God, and it's actually a prayer of Moses that's found in the book of Psalms. And what Moses is doing, he is asking God to help him use his time more wisely for God's glory. How many of you would think, Moses, you're a pretty wise man? But how many of you, do you all remember this? Moses had some deficiencies. Can I name just a few Moses had? Moses dealt with anger. He killed him. He was a murderer because of anger. Can I give you another illustration? He broke God's, he, he broke all of God's ten laws at the same time. He broke the ten commandments when he threw them on the ground. All ten of them at the same time. Why? Because he was angry. Moses struggled with anger. 
Another thing Moses struggled with is he struggled with depression. You'll read in Scripture that Moses said, Lord, just take me. Just take me. So did another prophet named Elijah. He was so down and depressed, he was just like, God, take me. I just want to die. You say, Pastor, Christians don't think like that. Yeah, they do. There are some Christians, and you know what I'm talking about. There are times you are so down. There are times you are so depressed, you just want to die. And you wonder, where did that thought come from? It came from the enemy of your soul. And I am here to announce to you today, we've got to take that thought captive in the name of Jesus, and we've got to bring it into captivity until we're walking where God wants us to walk, and he doesn't want us walking in depression. Because you see, a lot of times what leads us into depression, first and foremost, this is a a 4D sermon, is disappointment. You get disappointed. And when you get disappointed, you, you become disillusioned. And then after disillusionment, you, you begin to get depressed. And if you stay depressed so long, guess what follows? You want to die. And that's the four Ds the devil uses to get an on-fire Christian down in the dumps. And you got to fight it. you got to battle it. Moses said we got to number our days. we got to count them one by one in order to be wise. In other words, Moses is saying, Lord, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should and not to waste them. Help us be wise. The, the Apostle James, if you read the book of James, he declares, my life is just a vapor that appears for a little while and then it's gone. We have one of two choices to make with our lives. We can invest in life by obtaining godly wisdom through God's Word, which not only teaches us God's will for our life, but it also helps us live out the life that God has called us to live. How many want to live the life He wants you to live? Or we can waste our few days here on earth doing what pleases our flesh and what pleases the world, and as the world would say, eat, drink, and be merry. Today we're being called by God to recognize how few are days here on earth. And in knowing that, we've got to seek the wisdom of God on how to live out our short days here on earth. Let me help us apply this today. What would you do differently if you knew that you only had this next week to live? And you wouldn't be here next Sunday. How would you live this week? That's how we ought to be living. Let me go ahead and give you three more weeks. What if you knew you only had one month to live? Would you live that one month the same as you lived the one week? Or would you wait till the one week and live the one week like you would live the one week? Let me give you some more months. Let's say that you knew that December 2nd of 2024, you would go home to heaven. How many would live for the remainder of these days the same as you'd live that one week? How would you live your life? And I seriously want you to ask yourself this question. Would I continue to live the way I'm living now? Or would I make some changes? 
And if you answered in the latter, I'd make some changes, what would you do differently? That's what you need to write down, and that's what you need to change. And that's what you need to work on. And that's what you need to read about. That's what you need to study. That's what you need to meditate on. So far, I've watched two Christmas movies that have impacted me so far this Christmas season. Both have them have both of them have Richard Thomas in them. Good old John Boy from the Waltons. One's called The Christmas Box. And one's called Timepiece. I actually found them in a, a, a dual DVD. Find them on Amazon, get it here within a couple days. You can watch it before next weekend. But they have, in, they, we, we sat and watched them together as a family. And when I left the movie, the movie never left me because of the message that it was presenting. Have you obtained that wisdom from God that gives you an assurance that on today, that if you died today, tonight, tomorrow, next month, next year, whichever it is, that you'll spend eternity with Christ? Do you have that assurance that if that happened this morning, all of you watching online, and if not, you can. You just got to learn to number your days and grow in the wisdom of God. You know, you speak to God through your prayers, but He speaks to you through His Word. How many of you ever heard the audible voice of God? I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I have seen it in Scripture. I've read it. I read it every day. It's the audible voice of God. Look at Psalm 84 and verse 10, and I'm about to close. Are you getting anything out of this? David said, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You know what that causes me to do? That causes me to say, God, am I walking uprightly? Because how many of you remember last week's message? God is good, and he wants to give good gifts. And he ends with this, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. And so in these verses, David talks about his decision and he talks about the reason why he feels this way. And as we look at those three verses, I want you to think of these words, if I only had one day. And David, he's telling us here, he said, I would rather be a lowly doorkeeper in the house. This is the king. How many of you pray for a leader like this? This is the king of Israel. And he is praying, he is saying, I would rather be a lowly doorkeeper, I'd lose, I, I would leave everything I have, and I would rather be a lowly doorkeeper in the house of God than to enjoy all the wealth, all the luxury of evil that this world has to offer. David is saying that if his life was about to end, he wanted to be found serving God. 
I believe the greatest thing that any one of us today can say is that we've been faithful to the task which God has given them. Because what is it God's going to say when we enter into kingdom of heaven? He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys that have been prepared for you. If I had one day to live, I would want to be found in my place of serving, doing what the Lord has called me to do. The Bible tells us of some people who made some changes. One of them was David himself. Just walk with me on this. I'm going to give you the Scriptures. You don't have to go there, but they were facing immediate judgment. You remember the day David was facing immediate judgment? Nathan comes up to him, and he tells him, you're the man. You took a man's only wife. You had all these wives. You're the man. You had Uriah the Hittite killed after you'd been with his wife trying deceptively to get him to be with her so you could cover up your sin. And then Nathan, after Bathsheba is pregnant, Nathan comes to David and he says to him, the child is going to die. And do you know what David does? He goes to extreme measures to change his way and to repent. And we get Psalm 51 out of it. When Elijah told Ahab that God was going to judge him severely, you read about the evil king, Ahab became very terrified. Do you know Ahab even came to the point at a point where he had repented and God relented? When Hezekiah was told to put his house in order, he said, God, would you give me some more time? And he gave him how many more years? Fifteen years? He said, Hezekiah, put your house in order because you're going to die today. He's like, oh, God, please, no. And what did he do? He started counting his days. He's like, oh, I got one day left. And God added 360 times 15 because they, they have a 360-year calendar. When the king of Nineveh was told by Jonah that you have 40 days to live, he made haste, and guess what? The enemy of Israel repented and God relented. In the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man wished that he had known that he was going to die, then he would have lived a better life, even to the point where he's now in Hades and he's become a great evangelist, wanting Lazarus to go back. God just send Lazarus back and have him tell my brothers and my family about this place. And he's like, hey, no, that's not going to happen. You're family has Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have God's Word. Let them hear them, because they're not going to believe even if someone raises from the dead. Isn't that amazing? That the rich man's family would not even believe if someone rose from the dead to tell him, he's in, he's in Hades, and he's wanting you to, don't go there. He doesn't want you to, he didn't want you to join him there. They, how, many, how many of you today know exactly how that family would have responded to that? Just like many 2023 Americans today believe there's not really a heaven, there's not really a hell. But I want to tell you something. Are you guaranteed for sure? Do you know positively for sure that when you draw your last breath, what you're going to go to? 
Do you know the people that know? The people that have drawn their last breath. And anyone who will believe upon what God says. We don't know if we'll live one more day. No one knows the day of his or her death, which may come unexpectedly. Write this down, Proverbs 27.1. When that day comes, when we have transition from earth to eternity, will we be in regret because we've not numbered our days? The question to be answered on today is when our time comes to die, will we be able to say that we too have numbered our days and have seek God's wisdom to live them out? And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If you have not been careful in how you've been living, if you've been living foolishly and not wise, would you call out to God right now to give you wisdom that you may learn to number your days? And the last thing I want to say, this is my shortest point, Don't hesitate and procrastinate. Don't hesitate and don't procrastinate. I love what Nike says. They've said it for years. Just do it. And people need to take that. They they need to take that out of the sports world and put it in the spirit world. Just do it. I love their one ad. Their one ad says, yesterday you said tomorrow. See, a lot of people are like, well, you know, I'll exercise tomorrow. But you said that yesterday. Tomorrow's today. It's time to stop saying tomorrow, folks. So let's make this Christmas season the season of personal change and let Jesus come to your town like he did Bethlehem and to make the needed changes you have in your life. Can you say amen to that? Bow with me. Father, I pray you would take this message and do now what I can't do with it. I spoke what you have me to say. Now go and speak into the heart of every person that's heard it. In Jesus' name, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. And all the people said amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.